0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders from throughout the sports event industry. This is Matt Traub, Managing Editor of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Tim Henshey, the Chief Executive Officer of USA Swimming. Before we begin, first a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Teams Conference and Expo, the world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve the sports event industry. Teams 24 will be held in Anaheim, California from September 23rd through the 26th, 2024. The conference will again feature the co-location of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic SportsLink Program and NGB Best Practices Seminar, as well as the annual symposium of the National Congress of State Games. For more details on everything planned at Teams, please visit teamsconference.com. And now, on to the episode. USA Swimming is known around the world as one of the powerhouse teams in the sport, and this year, expectations are high as always ahead of the 2024 Olympic Summer Games in Paris. This year's Games will be the second for CEO Tim Hinchey, but the first in which he does not have to lead the national governing body under pandemic-related conditions. With a high-profile year that includes not only the Olympics, but the World Aquatic Championships and a host of national-level meets around the country, we caught up with Tim recently discussed how USA Swimming places events around the United States, anticipation for this year's Olympic trials at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis, and much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Tim, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast today.
1: Hey, it's great to be here, Matt.
0: Thanks. We're recording this right around the start of your first Pro Swim Series event of the year in Knoxville, Tennessee. What strategy did USA Swimming have in putting together this year's schedule of events, if any different from previous years, with an eye toward athletes having peak performances in the Paris Olympics?
1: Now, that's a great question. So when we make decisions about any annual calendar and destinations, one of the key committees we work with is the steering committee. So these are our current Olympic coaches, former Olympic coaches, some of our top coaches, along with some athletes. Uh, and some staff members, obviously Lindsay Bentenko, obviously being the most important one, our manager director of the national team. And we talk about, especially in Olympic year, now fast forwarding to today, even the nuances about how do we prepare, how the athletes should prepare. So, as an example, the Tier Pro Series typically has four to five stops a year. This year, we have three stops, primarily like we in normal conditions. So, we'll be in Knoxville here in January, we'll get out to uh, Westmont uh, in early March in Chicago, which is obviously exciting. Then we'll get out to that beautiful facility in San Antonio in April. But rather than add a fourth one, we had a lot of consultation along with our partners, Tier, to say, listen, what would make it easier for athletes to compete, especially getting close to junior Olympic trials? So we went out and decided instead to invest in three traditional regional kind of grand pre-pro high-level elite meets, Austin, Atlanta, and Irvine, and give them the capabilities to allow our athletes to get to more regional locations The coaches like that. You know, it's great for us to invest in some clubs and some markets we don't typically go to. So you'll see our our signage there and our chance to help the athletes and their accommodation. So it was thoughtful. It was it was something for consideration. And I think everyone's excited about that leading up to Indianapolis.
0: You mentioned Indianapolis, and that's where this year's Olympic trials will be. It starts June 15th at Lucas Oil Stadium, which is home of the NFL's Colts. How is progress at this point coming along for organization of the trials? And what about this venue and setup are you looking forward to the most?
1: It's going really well. And I'd say that, you know, I had a very limited experience with our great friends in Omaha and the incredible work. And I always want to make sure I highlight the fact that everyone here previously to me and, you know, the fact that we get to go to an NFL stadium and have interest from in a market is because of the incredible response we had in Omaha for the last four trials. So that's first and foremost. But we've been on it right away. We went, we did an RFP request for proposal to test the water, see where we are, pardon the pun there, to see, where, to see where we are in terms of the value of our trials. And I'd say selfishly for me, especially coming in as the new CEO at the time, that I just felt our sport deserves more. Can we accommodate more spectators? Can we find a way to grow the interest and amplify our sport, our brain, whenever we can, our athletes in particular? So it was great and healthy to go out and see what the market might bear. And we had an incredible response, obviously. And so to have multiple NFL stadiums respond was exciting. It made us even think about that. Maybe our instincts are going the right direction here. Uh, then Indianapolis came in with a bid that was you know, second to none. And, and, of course, the history we have there, the centennial history of the 1924 trials and games in Paris to what we're doing this year. And then really the people of Indianapolis, Indiana Sports Corp., uh, just phenomenal partners. And they put on some of as you know, especially in your business and line of work, they put on some of the greatest events in our country, right? All in Indianapolis, Super Bowls, Final Fours, National Championship Football Games, the Indy 500, the NBA All-Star Games there next month. So we're talking about professionals and a marketplace that is used to doing this that happens to also have one of the best histories for our sport, which is Indianapolis, the Nat, and all the history we have there for trials. So it was a combination that was just an automatic but I would just say the preparation is, is amazing because the organizing committee, the professionals in Indianapolis, that, and again, because they do this for all the other events, that's not what we have felt before. And it's no knocking on Omaha or anybody else, but just to have this size of group focus and organize and making sure these trials are successful, I'm very confident. In addition to the amazing staff we have that knows how to conduct. And execute a phenomenal and uh, you know product and, and the best swim meet in the world really.
0: Would a successful trials this year give you potential encouragement to do more events in an NFL side stadium or other non-swim specific venues when you consider looking at programming in the years to come?
1: Absolutely, I think it does. And again, I think part of it, you know, it's a combination of things, right? The program for swimming has as you know has become larger, right? It was eight days, now it's nine days. So for us to be in any market. And have our great partners at NBC give us two hours of prime time with Dan Hicks and Mike Tirico and Rowdy Gaines and that whole crew. We need to leverage that also in markets, right? So it's not just the television audience, which already does well as all the versus most NGBs from a trials perspective, but it's how do we activate a market? How do we get to the non-swim fans? How do we you know you know advertise our sport to other people? And in this case, one of the lines I use quite a bit in my talking points because it's true and it's, it was super important to the decision making here is that 25% of our membership, right? 350,000 people can drive to Indianapolis in less than eight hours. So now at a bigger venue and a bigger market with more activation in the community, uh, you can walk the city, more hotels, great airport, but now you can, families can drive, swim families, rec swim families, masters uh, swim families, sports fans can all come and see how are they going to do this meet in an NFL stadium, right? And, and, and really, for me, from a membership perspective, get more families in an affordable way to drive to town, to come watch and be inspired by our world's greatest athletes in swimming, right? So I think there's a combination of those things. But to your to your question, you know, we had multiple markets and NFL stadiums have interest. So yes, if it goes well, I think we'll anticipate more and and maybe we can charge a little more next time right
0: you mentioned obviously you have partnerships throughout the country between the pro swim series and markets like Knoxville and San Antonio and DuPage County you've mentioned Indianapolis and all the the track record of success you've had in omaha and places throughout the country when you're putting together an events calendar whether it be this year or years to come what does USA Swimming look for in partner destinations and venues? Another great question.
1: So it really depends on which of the meets we're talking about, or championships, or competitions. So if you if you're familiar with kind of some of our events, you'll see that there's stars. Like there's five stars. I mean, they're better athletes or better people necessarily. It just means that they have a bigger you know responsibility to the sport and the qualifications. So the kind of the elite standards, if you will. So a five star event called our what was our Philip sixty six National Championships or a Toyota U S Open. Those standards require something a little bit different. They require two 50 meter pools. If it's if it's not in Southern California, let's say in Irvine, which can accommodate us, they need to be indoor. Both 50 meters be, have to be indoor. That's for the competition to go off the right way. That's for warm up space. That's for safety. It's for all the other technical reasons to conduct that level of meet with that many athletes participating, along with television and commercial reasons and so forth. It's about the meet and having the, the right uh, opportunity and the right setup. I would also tell you that what we learned coming out of COVID is. If we can do them in a non-college campus, that's also now important because there were more restrictions, unfortunately, around some of our college campuses. So you might say, well, what about Austin or you know, Georgia or Maryland? All great facilities, all first class, world class, but it presents more difficulty from a cost perspective, parking, and some of the restrictions that we can't control, right? So having Greensboro, having Indianapolis, having San Antonio, Irvine, again, our four venues we know, two outdoor, two indoor, that have the incredible facilities, have all the technical concerns checked, fast pools, great venues for spectators, lots of free parking, and are just great operators, some of the best operators. And when you look at Susan and Dave out of Greensboro, Arlene in Annapolis, Kim in Irvine, you name it, we just have great people that know the sport. Those are some of the biggest criteria we think about when going to venues. And then we go back and look at some of the other venues that don't need two 50-meter pools like Tier Pro Series and we, and we look at not just the venue, but we look at the market. Can we work with a CVB like Knoxville, who does a great job? Chad and his team at Visit Knoxville wanted us there. And when we have markets that want swimming, we need to listen to that and we need to find a way to get to those
0: venues. This will be your second Olympics with USA Swimming, obviously, in much different circumstances than the lead up to Tokyo because of the pandemic. How is the adjustment in any way, shape, or form for you in your t- t- position compared to a, uh, this being a normal Olympic cycle compared to when you were trying to put together a team and help organize and run the NGB well during the pandemic?
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny because we just talked about lots time we all got together, right? Which was uh, in those trips over to beautiful Tokyo and so forth. And that was a unique experience and one I'll never forget in an amazing Olympics for USA, swimming 30 medals zero positive COVID tests, some you know, people, Bobby Fink, people that came out of the woodwork to really help us win the Olympics, which is exciting. But it was myself and our chair at the time, Bob Vincent. We were the two spectators, right? So it was very different to do that. And the travel and, like you said, the testing, the sitting in the airport together, all those type of things. So I think, you know, f- from this perspective, I'm excited because this will be my first time going through it. So I'm, I'm really leaning on Lindsay Mantenko and her staff and the rest of the people that here you said so many that have gone through and done this to help me prepare for it and to manage it. But I think that we've got a great plan. We've always had a great plan. You know, I can tell you that the USOPC, they're high performance people. One of the things they taught me early on, which they thought was unique to our planning and maybe what we call kind of our secret sauce is we're one of the only NGBs that once the team is selected at trials, they stay together the whole way through the Olympics. So this year for me, in terms of preparation, I'm going to get to spend a little time at a domestic camp I'm going to get to spend a little time at our international camp, and then I'm going to eventually, obviously, be in Paris. So it'll be a much different couple months than I had leading up to uh, uh, to Tokyo. I really try to stay out of the way of our coaches. You know, we have amazing head coaches and Anthony, and uh, obviously um, Todd. So we're excited about that and our staff. But I do want to have a presence there. I do want to make sure that the coaches, the staff, the athletes know that I care, that we're there to help if they have if anything's unforeseen should happen. I'm there to help out and do what I can. Uh, And I think that this time for the first time, both in the domestic camp and potentially the international camp, we will try to use some opportunities to commercialize, maybe host a big sponsor, host some of our largest donors, things that we weren't able to do last time that are really important touch points for us to maintain great partners like One America, Uh, And some are great donors. So those are important to us as well. So that'll be very different, but I'm looking forward to that.
0: Ahead of Paris 2024, obviously USA Swimming has been one of, if not the most dominant swimming program every Olympic cycle. Obviously, you guys are a large organization. Everybody chips in to be part of that as your role as CEO. What pressure internally do you feel? knowing that you what your place on the olympic swimming pedestal is and making sure you maintain it
1: uh it was a pressure when i took the job quite frankly you know and again i am very fortunate that i come from the sport i was not uh an olympic trials qualifier or anything like that but swimming division one and being part of you know a couple of uh, national meets on relays you know i I love the sport so yeah the pressure is even greater because i love the sport right And, and and then once you get inside the four walls and see the incredible people here that have maintained that incredible record that you just described and it's every aspect of the staff right it's not just one person it's not just lindsey or it wasn't just frank bush it's every single person knows their role they're a fine-tuned team they're selfless Uh, you know the athletes many times i heard golden goggles other places they'll thank some of the support staff which i love about our athletes because they know how much work goes into the trials the camps the preseason, the travel you name it And then they thank our donors and sponsors because our sponsors, we ask them for their help. And they're the ones that are helping us get our charter plane to make sure our athletes got to Tokyo and they get there safely with with no COVID issues because we're on the plane together in our own bubble. And these are big asks of people. So yeah, I'm just grateful to be part of it. I try to make sure that people know how much I appreciate them in all aspects of what they do. We also have a roll-up your sleeves mentality at USA Swimming. So any of us will do whatever it takes. If that's jumping in a car and picking someone up at the airport, If someone's luggage didn't get there, we'll go back and get it for them. We'll do whatever we can to make sure the athletes, the coaches, and the staff have what they need. They have the best possible accommodation that we can invest in and afford. And we give them every opportunity to do what they do best, which is be the best
0: swimmers of the world. Looking ahead, what are you looking forward to about Paris? And what is the importance of a strong Paris 2024 performance in setting up USA Swimming for the next four years ahead of LA-28? twenty eight?
1: two great questions. I think for Paris, for me, it's just... I guess getting back to normal, not that I've been to normal, right? So I'm excited about the process, like we talked about the different camps. I'm excited to be in a market that's going to celebrate the Olympic athletes at all sports. I'm excited to see our friends and family there, our sponsors, our donors, our staff. I'm excited to see what I thought this was all about, right? Which is that Olympic spirit, that Olympic movement in a iconic world-class city uh, and what that's going to mean for athletes and certainly going on to LA after that. I can tell you for us that we've always traditionally, I think as an NGB from a grassroots perspective and our clubs, because again, I don't sell membership here at headquarters. We have to support our 3,000, what was 3,000 clubs, which is now about 2,700 after the pandemic. How are we supporting those clubs and those small businesses so they can drive membership, renew membership and, and get people excited about our sport. So our job kind of from a macro level is to make sure that something like this, the Olympic games and trials really does have a positive effect on all these small businesses, and we're doing it with with their expectations. And I can tell you that historically, we've always had what we call a spike, right? So everyone gets excited about the trials coverage in NBC. Everyone's excited about the Olympic Games and the stars, the young stars, the new stars, the veterans that come out of this, the Ryan Murphys, Katie Ledecky, Reagan Smith, Chase Kalish's, they love that, and they love the new newcomers like the Bobby Finks and those that came out of the last games or Lydia Jacoby's. But what we want to do, we, and our board is really working hard with us on staff to craft the strategy to do this, but how do we take that spike and make it a bump for the whole quad, right? How do we make it a bump? How do we transition that real interest coming out of 24 so that we have a bump in membership, a bump for our clubs, and a bump, quite frankly, for the entire sport all the way to a domestic games which we certainly want to leverage and take advantage of especially in southern california which is one of our best markets.
0: What are your thoughts on the plans for open water swimming in paris to be held in the river?
1: So, I love the idea, right? So, let's hope that safety and and the river is safe to swim in and it'll be great, but I think it's I think it's genius, right? I mean, to me, you're going to a marketplace that has supported the greatest biking race in the history of the world, Tour de France. And what's great is they're trying to make open water like that, right? So you can lean across the river, you can watch parts of the race, you can get the cowbells, you can get the excitement that's going on. And you're iconically in the center of the city, right? In one of the most incredible places to be in Paris. So I love the idea and I'm so hopeful that everything goes well from a river quality, water quality perspective and et cetera. But I'm super excited about it. I'll certainly be there. My family will certainly be there. And I love the fact that some of it's also going to be free, right? Like the marathon is. People can just be part of the Olympic experience and come out, and maybe that lists the excitement and how special our open water athletes really are, right? So, and we need to spend time on open water. That's something we talk about all the time. Uh, I love it. I think it's. I love doing it. I think it's. It's such a great sport for us. It's an opportunity for us to, you know, hopefully include it in maybe the NC2A some at some point. So I think everything we can do to make it even more special, get more awareness to it. I think is great so i think again i commend the idea and i hope it works
0: out how much time do you get to spend in your role as ceo on just pure swimming like we're talking about right here and and working on coming up with event schedules and we're dealing and putting able to have you know deal with athletes compared to the work that goes into making sure you're securing and and building on sponsorship dealing with any potential safe sport issues which is something that when you first started the job you had to deal with what what how does that balance right now? And has a ch- how has it changed perhaps over your time from when you started in 2017? Well,
1: certainly that first year was a big year, uh, unexpected for me coming in to uh, testify in front of Congress and so forth. But at the same time, you know, and, and unfortunately, we've been through a few kind of crises uh, over the last six years, again, that were unplanned. I think that one of the mantras for us is, you know, really not, make sure we don't waste the crisis. Like, what, what can we learn from that crisis? How do we get better in a crisis? And a lot of times, especially, you know, to your point about safe sport, in particular, keeping athletes first, which is a mantra that is our most important. That's what came out of my first year was this is number one, keeping our athletes first, keeping our athletes safe. So that doesn't change what we've done. And it's allowed us to have a true north. And I think that then helps us manage how we're going to operate the rest of our business, right? If we know that this is our true north, how are we making sure that everything that we do is results in? Yes, we're consistent with that true north. So I'm very, very fortunate that I have an incredible uh, senior management team at USA Swimming. I have subject matter experts uh, in each of those key areas, business affairs, finance, commercial, you know, club development and membership and national team divisions. So for me, I'm very lucky. And half of them are coordinated, half aren't. Right. So it's good. We have some mix of people that aren't just super fans like me. And I think we do a good job of making sure that we have accountability and that we recruit well. We have a first-class team at USA Swimming. We've had great people in the past. We have a lot of new people. You know, we work on succession planning to make sure that we have the best possible people in the right jobs and, and, and go after it and give them the opportunity to get after the work, you know, focus on what they're doing. And then we all try to collaborate as much as possible. So for me, I can't help myself, Matt. I like to be involved in everything. I really, really do. I'm sure that uh, Shayna, uh, Ferguson, Jay Grosser don't love that I'm a former CMO because I like to be involved in commercial more than anything. But, but we've got great people. I, I do my best to really, you know, make sure that we have Like I said, our business affairs, safe sport, and finance, we have tremendous people. Uh, and Michelle Steinfeld and Eric Skupka that lead those areas. And then on the same on the membership and the swimming side, Jill Schinfield and, and and as we talked about Lindsay. So my job is to help as much as I can. Uh, take some of my old coaching moments, coach where I can. But if I could choose, I would love to spend a little bit more time on sponsorship and business development, because that's just what I've done my whole career, and and I do love doing. So this trial has allowed us to do that, so it's been fun.
0: I want to ask you about one thing that a lot of national governing bodies in Olympic sports have been kind of adjusting and adapting to as things have gone on over the past couple of years, and that's been changes on the collegiate sports landscape. Obviously, swimming has, you've been able to see plenty of athletes develop through the collegiate swimming landscape into Olympians. And now when you have NIL, you have all of this conference realignment, especially with in the Pac-12, so many of those schools who were just feeder programs, not just for the USOPC, but even other countries. And how does all these changes, if any, affect the development of elite swimming prospects?
1: Well, listen, it's a huge topic, right? And to your point, every NGV at some point is probably going to be involved in these kind of discussions and certainly has probably similar concerns or similar interest to make sure what, that we all get this right, right? Olympic sports cannot be under threat with these new changes, and yet they, they, they are, quite frankly, right? And we know that. We've talked to it. Uh, I think Sarah Herschel and her team have done a great job of making sure that they have a seat at the table. She has built a great relationship with uh, Charlie Baker. She brought him to our national championships last year. So I've got a chance to meet Charlie, talk to him last year he was developing you know, his strategy and where he's going. The USOPC has some great working groups that some of the, myself, myself and others, get to participate in. And then for us, it's a, uh, the College Swim Coaches Association, uh, who we invest in every single year with a grant. Uh, Sam Baronet and her team keep us apprised all the time, come to all of our board meetings. So it's a topic we think about, Matt, all the time and talk about all the time. There's no doubt that many times, and and it's probably very consistent with the last several Olympics, our Olympic head coaches are college coaches. Um, So it's something we're going to keep on the forefront in. Um, There's no doubt that there's politics involved, and that's never fun, right? And so we have to watch that. But we've had bills that have come out of California, AB 252, where we've had alumni and national teamers, everyone get involved to make sure that we have a voice in that. So our government affairs and business affairs, we are willing to put ourselves out there and lead have a voice and again we have phenomenal people on our board of directors that are athletes that do the same type of thing so we're going to keep our we're going to keep our eyes on this we're going to stay involved i'm certainly going to stay involved i got to meet with the night commission uh at the nc2a sports leadership uh, sports business journal uh was in vegas a couple weeks ago lindsey and i attended that so we're going to you know we're going to meet and listen and meet with ad's and have conversations to protect olympic sports thus protecting swimming right so again we may be in a good shape today, but we're keeping our eyes on what's happening in the next several years because there's no guarantees in life, right? And again, one of these things could happen. Money could go a certain way. We've seen how they buy out football coaches. That is not a healthy sign for what happens to Olympic sports, right? When that kind of cash would fund how many of our Olympic sports and an two level for a long, long time. So... It's a great question. It's a huge priority. We're going to stay on top of it, but I'm confident that, you know, our voice will be heard.
0: You're a swimmer yourself, Tim, when you're at some of these events or when you're going to be at trials in Indianapolis or in Paris, as open water swimming starts, how hard do you have to resist the urge to, you know, hey, can I get a few practice laps with all these athletes? Uh, As a matter
1: of fact, if you ask me in the last six years, very selfishly, what's been the best thing or my favorite thing in the job? It's been doing that. I'm very fortunate that my credentials around the world, maybe not the Olympic Games, although I did get to swim in our tr- the USOPC training center in Tokyo, which was great every other day. I do get to swim, and I think it's it's so fun. So when well, we're especially at Tier Pro this week, or if we're at a Tota US Open or Phillips 66 Nationals, Rowdy Yanes between sessions, we'll get on the text. All right, who wants to swim? Are you kidding me? My swim idols invited me to swim. Yes, and we'll, you know, many times it's in the diving well, which I like, it's short course and warmer than the competition pool. But we'll have a group of staff and guests and alums, and we'll do it. So to be to be honest, I bring my gear everywhere, just in case.
0: All right. Well, Tim, it's going to be a big year for USA Swimming and obviously highlighted with the run-up to the trials in June in Indianapolis before the Paris Olympics. And best of luck throughout the year with uh, as things progress. And thank you for appearing on the Sports Travel Podcast with us today.
1: Thanks, man. It's always a pleasure. Make sure you come see us in India this summer.
0: This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features breaking news and in-depth features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at sportstravel on Twitter and Instagram, and at sportstravelmagazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Matt Trout for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.